Good morning. Well, today we're going to follow up on a message that we did last week, and we'll do the same next week, but um, it's different topics, and we're going further. We wanted to keep in mind that the last week we talked about coming out of village thinking, which was given by Clem Ferris, the prophetic overseer of Cornerstone, coming out of village thinking and village talking. And in order to come out, we must go into something. There's no need to come out and, and don't go anywhere. So we need to come out, and we also need to make sure that we understand how the kingdom of heaven works. It's very important to understand how the kingdom of heaven works and to change our thinking to match what the kingdom of heaven is like. So that's what we talked about last week. This week, we want to uh, talk about the subject of staying steadfast. Staying steadfast. Now, we have three things that I'm going to cover today with you. And one of those is that one way to stay steadfast is that the Word of God will help us to stay steadfast. Another way that we can stay steadfast would be the a word of prophecy can help us stay steadfast. And the third one is that when God makes a covenant with his people, that can help us stay steadfast. So we'll talk about those three things, and then we'll, uh, uh, we'll go into what does that mean for us, when we disciple other people, what does that really mean? And then we'll close it out. So that's what we want to cover, and I want you to stick with me today because you must understand that we have to be steadfast in this life. Now, I know you say, well, why do I need to stay steadfast? Because uh, we're going to endure until the end anyway, uh, perseverance of the saints. But let me tell you, there is responsibility for every Christian. There is a responsibility uh, for everyone uh, in, in the kingdom of heaven. There's a responsibility. Yes, uh, God is going to do his part, but he requires us to be responsible enough to do our part. Would you agree with that? You can do, in other words, you, you, you can't go around saying, well, I don't have to do anything. God would do it for me. If he wants this to happen, he will cause it to happen. You can't go around saying that uh, because obviously it doesn't hold water if you will put that to other things. Suppose the, the, your, your, your uh, schooling, if you're in school, whether it's homeschooling, whether you're in college, whether you're in high school, doesn't matter what school you're in, uh, graduate school or uh, taking uh, other courses, it doesn't matter what kind of school you are in if you decide, I'm not going to study. I, if God wants me to know this, he will put it in my heart. He'll put it in my mind. You can say that all you want to, but you will fail. Regardless, I mean, you will fail. And God is for you, but you will fail. Everybody agree with that? Now, if you, if you do all that you can do, then, of course, you know that he kicks in, and he's going to do what only he can do, because the word says that we can do nothing apart from him. It says that, doesn't it? So we can do nothing apart from him. But we have a responsibility. So, uh, another word says, well, it's him who does, who, who gives us the will and to do of his good pleasure. It's a word, and a scripture says that. But we can't lean upon, well, it's him that's going to do it. He's going to give me the will. He's going to give me the, the ability to do. So, therefore, I'm going to lay in bed. And if he wants to get me up, he will get me up. Right? That's not going to happen. There's responsibility. It's the same thing. When we, come, when we talk about staying steadfast, there's a responsibility of all of us as Christians to do what our responsible uh, acts are to be responsible towards God. So what does he tell us to do? This word of God is full of things that he tells us to do. And we know that we can do nothing apart from him. We know that. We know that he is the one who gives us the will and the do of his good pleasure. We know all that, but we know that we're going to be responsible enough to put one foot in front of the other to do it. So therefore, um, 
please don't say and think that I believe that in works as far as salvation is concerned because I don't. All that we about uh, trying to keep the law, of, you know, I don't. We don't believe in that. It's by grace alone that, that we'll say. Uh, so, uh, but we do have responsibility to do. So make sure that, that we, we, when we, we listen to the message today, we know that steadfastness is your responsibility. It's my responsibility, being steadfast. So look, let's look at the word and see what the word says. First of all, we'll turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Let's look there. In verse 13, uh, it, it gives us some information that we want to go to today as far as the word is is concerned. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. And you'll see it on your PowerPoint if you don't have your, uh, the Word of God with you. And if you do, please use the Bible you get used to turning pages, which is good. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained a promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end to every dispute. In the same way, God desired even more to show to the heirs of promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters in within the veil. This steadfastness, because of the hope we have, because of the unchangeableness of God, because it's impossible for God to lie, he gave a promise to Abraham. And so when we say something steadfast, we mean that it's not frail, it's not wavering, it's immovable. That's what we're talking about when we talk about steadfastness. It's immovable. We should be immovable in our faith. Nothing should hinder us. Nothing should hinder us in, in moving forward one step at a time towards what God has called us to do. As far as reaching the promise of what he said to Abraham, we are destined for glory, aren't we? We're going to be with Jesus Christ. We are saved, aren't we? And the Bible says we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. <laughs> it's, a, it's a now but not yet kingdom. We are, we are, we are, we are positioned there, but we are not there yet. So it's a process that God has taken us through. And I thank God that we have that hope because he said it. If God said it, it's true, and you can bank on it. Is that true? That's right. That's right. Let's look at uh, Psalm. Let's go there. And we want to go to Psalm 119. And that's a beautiful uh, psalm of, um, that uh, is in Scripture. I really love that because in the midst of Psalms 119, it tells us so much about the Word of God. And in verse 89, verse 89, it tells us, forever, how long is forever? <laughs> forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's settled. It is not up for dispute. The word of God doesn't waver. The word of God is not going to return void. It shall accomplish with that which he pleases. It's going to prosper into where he sent it. The, the word of God is awesome, isn't it? Powerful, sharpening in the two-edged sword, isn't it? So we have the word of God on something. We have it. We have it. 
I mean, it, it can be an anchor to our soul. It's like a ship out in an ocean. Of, if you lower that anchor and, and it hits the bottom, boom, it is it's not going anywhere. It might move around a little bit. It's not going anywhere. That's what we have as the word of God. It's an anchor to our soul. We can stay steadfast. We can stay steadfast if you have the word of God on it. So we have to be in the word to find what God says in his word, because if you find what God says and you know what God says, the enemy can't, he can't get you off of what God has said. He can tell you, oh, why don't you do this? And you say, oh, no, it's written. You have to have the word on it. But if you don't know the word on it, he can deceive you. He can. And I don't want to be deceived, do we? We don't want to be deceived. Let's keep going. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You established the earth, and it stands. They stand this day according to your ordinances, for all things are your servants, meaning that all things serve you. All things are God's servants, all things. I don't care whether it's birds. I don't care whether it's rain. I don't care whether it's sleet. I don't care whether it's ice. I don't care where's the sun. I don't care where's the stars. All things serve God. And all people serve God. He used them how he wanted to use them. He used Cyrus, didn't he? He can use, he can use an ungodly person, can he? He used us, didn't he? He brought us to him. We were ungodly, weren't we? So no one was born saved. All things are his. We serve an awesome God. If your law had been not been my delight, oh, listen to it now. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying here that if he didn't have the word on this thing, and, and he, he, back then he was talking about the law, but we can say the word of God. But we don't have the word on something. Our afflictions can get the best of it. He said that I would have perished in my affliction if it had not been for your word. It was my delight. Oh, people, I'm telling you, it anchors you. It encourages you when you have the word of God, when you're going through things. And we all are going to go through things. All are going to go through things. Things are not going to go our way all the time. I don't care whether you're little. I don't care whether you're old, tall. I don't care whether you're young or old. It doesn't matter how, how y'all. Everything is not going your way all the time. But God says, my word can keep you steadfast. Doing that. And you've seen it before. You've seen it before. I've, I've seen, uh, I know a person that, that I was trying to minister to them, and they were excited because they felt that God was going to heal them because it's in the Word. And they went to doctors, and the doctors, and that's what he was depending upon, the doctor was going to heal them, heal them from this, this uh, uh, affliction they had, and he didn't get healed. So he didn't want anything else to do with God. You've seen people like that. That because they go through some adversity, they're going through some adversity, and, and they don't think God is doing what they want God to do, then they're going to turn away from God. That's not what God wants. See, we're supposed to be excited because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're supposed to be, I mean... What more can you want? How, what greater miracle is it to take a lost soul and to, and to turn that soul to where that soul is now trusting in God? What greater miracle is it? If we never got healed in this life, if we never got healed in this life, we're still going to be healed in the next one. <laughs> Isn't that great? You know, if you didn't have legs in this one, you will have legs in the next one. Right? 
We won't have, probably won't have need of, need of them, you know. We just get translated from here to there, you know. Right? So don't, because of our affliction, because of what we go through, don't allow that to cause you to waver and be moved by things because we're going to run into hard times. Don't you know that God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust? He calls the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. When things happen in this, this world, uh, in the United States, where we all are say that don't think that we are going to be immune to it. It affects us, doesn't it? The economy in the United States affects all of us, doesn't it? Right, it does. So we're going to have to, we have something that others don't have. We have the word of God as an anchor to our soul because God said he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So he'll give us everything we have need of to do what we have, we've been purposed to do. He's been destined us to do. Isn't that cool? Yeah, he'll do it. He'll do it. You say, well, if there's no money around, how will he do it? I don't know how he's going to do it. Why are you going to sit around and figure out how he's going to do it? The children of Israel, they couldn't figure out how he's going to do it. Did they? That's what that, they complained. That's why they had to go around 40 years in the wilderness because they want to figure out how God's going to do this thing. Where's our water going to come from? Yeah. Where's our food going to come from? We out here in this wilderness. What is God going to do? Stop, stop trying to figure out God because he'll do a new thing just for you. Won't he? Yeah. The widow woman that was at Zarephath, she... Uh, she had a need. She knew she was going to die. She knew that because she didn't have much, much food. Did she? Right? A little meal, a little oil, that's all. I'm going to make my son and me a little cake. We'll make two cakes and we'll eat it and we'll die. She knew what she was destined to do. Well, God had something else for her, didn't he? Yeah. She would never have been able to figure it out, would she? No, never been able to figure it out. The one who uh, was a wife of a, one of the sons of the prophets, the son of the prophet died, and she owed a lot of debt. She could never figure out how God was going to meet that. All she did is just to go to the prophet and say, hey, what, what am I going to do? They, I mean, I owe something. They take my children. They take everything. What am I going to do? I don't have anything. Well, could you have figured out? Could you have told her, I know what God is going to do? He gonna, he gonna, he's going to. He's going to do a new thing. He's, what he's going to do, he's going he's gonna to turn the heart of this man who, who owes you money. He's going to forgive your debt. He didn't do that, did he? Oh, he didn't do that. He just said, go borrow some, some vessels, right? Close your door <laughs> and start pouring. Pouring what? <laughs> just start pouring <laughs> and go sell those things. Come on. It's enough for to pay your debts and for you and your sons to live off of the rest of your life. Come on, God is awesome, isn't he? So in our afflictions, stop trying to uh, figure out what God's going to do and stop wavering. We're not going to waver in our faith. We're going to stay steadfast regardless. Uh, let's look at verse 49. Turn back to 49. We're in 89. We're in 49 now. It says, remember the word to your servant. Remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. You see, we have hope when we have the word. This is my comfort in, no, he didn't say that, my affliction. That your word has revived me. What has God said to you? God can speak to you in, through his word. He can speak a word to you in his word. And it doesn't have to be in the proper context of what he meant it for at that time. He's just giving you a word for you. 
in your situation. I mean, it's just, you, you're just reading, and, and all of a sudden, say, say you're just reading through the Psalms. This is part of your devotional, reading through the Bible, and you get the Psalms. You're reading, and you're crying to God, to God for some things and all this stuff, and you don't know how he's going to meet your need, but you're reading the Psalms, and all of a sudden, you get to that Psalm right there, and you say, oh, my goodness gracious. And it stands out, and I mean, it pops out like neon signs, and, and it, it could be God speaking to you about your situation. What has God said to you? Let's go to the second. That was the first one. The first one I said, the word of God can help keep you steadfast, right? The second was what? Come on with me. Okay, that, that a word of prophecy can help keep us steadfast. Let's go to Genesis chapter uh, 12. Let's go there. And in there, uh, it's a little helpful to us, I believe, because it's helping us to see that your mom and the prophet came and, and, and he gave us some words and, and uh, I think it was a prophetic message. And so I said, it, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to come out of village thinking, village talking, village walking, and I want to know more about the kingdom of heaven and walk there, talk that. That's what I want to do. Now, let's look at a, and we say, well, oh, that's a man. He gave some prophetic words over some people. But God, I want God to say something. Do you realize that God can talk through you? Do you realize that? If he couldn't, then, of course, there's no need for you to say anything to anybody. Because it won't matter too much, would it? If somebody asks you for advice or whatever the situation is, there's no need for you to say anything if God can't use you. But I know he can. He can use you to give a person a word. It could be his word right there written, but it can be a word, a prophetic word to somebody else, to that person. Oh, it could be. Listen to what God says okay. to Abram in uh, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went forth, as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And it says, now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And you've you got to figure that if he said all the, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, so how is he going to bring that about? I'm 75, how is he going to bring that about? Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shisham and the Oaks of Morah, and now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Canaanites. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants... I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. Now just think. This is a word that was given to him. He was 75. He gives this word. Nowhere is this word can be figured out in his mind. It's going to come to pass. How is this going to come to pass? I'll take my nephew. I'll take Lot. I take my wife, who's barren, I take her. We haven't had any children yet. We've been trying, we've been trying, we've been trying, we've been trying, we've been trying. But I'm 75 years old, and she's about 65 now. So, God, how's this going to come to pass? Well, God says it's going to come to pass. God gives him a word of prophecy, doesn't he? Give him a word of prophecy. 
So do you think he still wants to anchor our souls, cause us to be steadfast with prophetic words? Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. He is so good. One, I went over the word of God can help us be steadfast. Two, that the word of prophecy can help us to be steadfast. We know that to be true. I don't have to linger on this one because we know that it came to pass, right? We know everything that God says come to pass, don't we? Right, it does. Okay. Let's go to the third one, when God makes a covenant. When God makes a covenant with us, with his people, it helps us to be steadfast. Let's go to Genesis uh, we already in Genesis 15, chapter 15. Let's go there. Let's go to verse 1. And let's look at a little bit here and see what it says. Now, this is, he's, he's going to make a covenant with Abram. And he says that after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And we know this is after he went and got Lot, because Lot has been captured, the whole Sodom and Gomorrah and all of them. They got captured and everything. And uh, Abram went and got him out and all that kind of stuff. He went and met Melchizedek and all that kind of stuff. Well, now he says that I'm going to be your reward. It's going to be great. Abram said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? Oh, now, see, he's thinking now, you have told me my descendants are going to be great. <laughs> I don't have any descendants. I'm getting older. What are you, you going to give me, Lord? Is it going to be Eliezer? Is it going to be of Damascus, him? Is it going to be him? Is it gonna be, he's going to be my heir? Abram says, since you have given me no offspring, one born in my house can be my heir. Verse 4 says, Then behold, the Lord said to him, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. Then he took him outside. Now what is he doing? He's trying to give him a, a, a visual. Now look toward the heavens. Count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. All he's doing is repeating what he already said, didn't he? He already gave him a prophetic word. He already gave him a word of prophecy. He already said this is going to happen. So he's now trying to reinforce what he said to him so it can keep him, keep him steadfast because his mind has started being uh, wavering, started swaying a little bit. And he said, whatever, I don't want your mind wavering. I want you to be steadfast in this. Let me give you a visual. Can you, can you count the stars? No, I can't count the stars. What is neither can you go, you going to be able to count your descendants? And they're going to come from your own body. How are they going to come from my own body, man? You know? Okay. But he believed God. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. Then he says to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, the, out of Ur and the, of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. He said, oh, Lord, God, how may I know? that I shall possess it. So he's looking for something more stable. Now, it wasn't enough that he gave him his word. That should have been enough. Is that correct? It should be enough for us, shouldn't it? But sometimes we need a prophetic word, a word of prophecy, okay? Uh, because we shouldn't waver just because things are not going the way they should be going. We shouldn't waver. We ought to know we're on the right path. We just keep going. But sometimes we waver, even though we know that he says, that if you be Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heir to the promise. Is that correct? But sometimes we waver. So sometimes he gives us a visual. And that's what he's given us. Now he sometimes gives him uh, a covenant. So he says, okay, I, I got to make a covenant with him. That's what you want. Okay, bring me three, uh, three-year-old heifer and, and, and three-year-old female goat. And so he now brings these things to him. He says, okay, I want you to lay these things out. And in essence, I'm going to make a covenant with you. 
I'm going to help you be more steadfast now. But, listen to what he says. God said to Abram, and see, that here, here's the sun going down. A deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. So God has given him something before he even walks through the, the pieces of meat. He, he, he's, he's telling him something. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. Oh, I thought we were going to make covenant, God. <laughs> you know, what you doing? I'm looking for something to be more, help me be more steadfast. Woo, yeah, it's terrifying. But, he says, I will also judge that nation whom they will serve, and afterwards they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. So he's telling them, you're not going to see this. You're not going to be involved in, this, involved in this, but know that's what's going to happen to your descendants. Then he says, Then in the fourth generation, they shall return here. Now, fourth generation, and in this instance, what it means is about 100 years is for each generation. Because we know it said 400 years, okay? And it happened really a little over 400 years. So we see that every generation is about 100 years. Then it says, they shall return here. For, listen to what I said, for the iniquity of the Amorite, which is talking about the, the Canaanites, is not yet complete. You mean to tell me I'm walking in this land? I can't possess this land right now. You're going to send us 400 years into oppression and affliction, my descendants, just because the iniquity of these Canaanites who are ungodly is not yet complete. In other words, God has a plan. And sometimes the plan is that we're going to have to go through some things. We're going to have to go through some things. But he always say, I'm going to bring you out. That's how he always says that. He said it to them here, everywhere you look, where, where he says, uh, I don't care what, whether they sin. You look through from Genesis all the way up through the, the Old Testament. If they sin, it really... He says that, oh, you're going to pay the price for this. Uh, I'm going to have to do this right here to, to, uh, for the consequences of your sin, but I'm going to renew you. I'm going to do this. Doesn't he say that? Isn't God good? Yeah. And that's what, how we can be teaching our children is that, yes, we have to discipline our children. Yes, we have to help them to, when I say discipline, we're going to have to train them. Is that correct? use many methods to train, uh, but we love them. Is that correct? Yeah. Anybody in sports know the same thing. The coach, well, I don't know whether he loves you or not, but anyway, he, he, <laughs> he pushed you through a whole lot of stuff, but yet you know it's for your good, right? It's for your good because he's trying to help, help win games because if he loses, it doesn't help him. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's anything. So I said, wow, this is, this, is, this is, God is, what is all this affliction stuff I'm trying to teach on staying steadfast? Would it be a good message if I said, oh, everything's going to be hunkadora? Oh, it's going to be peaches and cream, you know? You don't have to worry about a thing. That would be, it's easy to stay steadfast, isn't it? No, 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 that's not God's, that's not kingdom of God thinking. That's village thinking, but it's not kingdom of God's thinking. Kingdom of God is that I'm more than enough. I'm sufficient. I have a plan, and I'm trying to 
help you be like me. That's how I am. Oh, isn't that good? And you know if he make a covenant, he's going to keep it, right? Didn't he make a covenant with Noah? And is he keeping it now? <laughs> he said, you know, I'm not going to destroy the, the, the earth by flood anymore. I'm making a covenant with you and, 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 and the animals. I'm making a covenant with everybody. And, and uh, here's a sign. The boat is going to be in the sky. Didn't he say that? Yeah. Chapter 9. So, God, if when he makes a covenant, it can help us be steadfast because he know, we know he keeps it. He is not a covenant breaker. <laughs> He's a covenant keeper, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Oh, that can help us be steadfast. Okay, now, those are the three things. What was the first one? The word of God can help us be stable. What's the next one? The word of prophecy can help us be Keep us stable, right? Steadfast, 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 immovable, not wavering. And the third one was a covenant with his people. Now, what are we going to do with this word? Okay, what? You know, we're about discipling, right? Everybody's supposed to be, all of us are supposed to be about discipling. Is that correct? Why? Because he said so, right? Matthew 28, the Great Commission. How to make disciples of all nations, teaching them. So we're supposed to be making disciples. What are you going to teach your disciples? What are you going to teach, teach them? We're going to teach them to be more like Jesus, aren't we? Well, how is he? Let's quickly look at a couple of verses here. John, the Gospel of John. Um, let's look at 16. Uh, I think we want to go to 33. And it says, are you there with me yet? Okay. Now I'm, I'm, I'm going to go fast now, so you have to stay with me. I look at the screen, so you stay with me. Um, These things I have spoken to you, and my Bible is red, and if yours is black, it doesn't matter, because it's Jesus speaking. Okay? I have spoken to you so that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But, but take courage. I have overcome the world. That tells me that I am supposed to be at peace regardless of my situation. I know that in the world, and I am in the world, you are in the world, I hope, I hope I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> we're not of the world. We're not of it, but we're in it. He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Oh, that's nice to say, Jesus. And then the hard thing is how I'm going to have peace in my situation. And my situation can change depending on the circumstances. First Peter Chapter 2, verse 20. Let's turn there. In that verse, we, we've gone through this verse many times about many things. But in this one, he says, For what credit is there if when you sin and are harsher treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it patiently, patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. So if you're doing what's right, know that you can still suffer. And that suffering is going to find favor with God. Because you have been called, it says in verse 21, for this purpose. You have been, in other words, what purpose? To suffer when you do what's right, because you're in the world. Because since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example for you 
to follow in his steps. So if you're discipling somebody and you fail to teach that person about suffering, about afflictions, about things that they're going to go through, I say you're not discipling them to be like Jesus. Because Jesus had to go through it, didn't he? Right? All of our life is not just suffering and affliction. We're going to walk in a lot of nice, good things. We're going to be good. I mean, everything's going to be going well at some time. We know that. But we have to have all of the counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. We just can't teach on, oh, if you become a Christian, don't, don't become a Christian. You sign up for suffering and you sign up for affliction. And from now on, it's just going to be all oh, of flames going to break loose in your life. We don't tell them that, right? But we do tell them that, hey, things are breaking loose in your life anyway. That's why you came to me. That's why you want, you want some solution to your problems. So you might as well have a solution to this thing. You might, might as well have hope. Let me give you hope. Let me give you the word of God, right, which is Jesus, isn't it? Hey, going to go through something anyway, aren't they? We're going to all go through something. So you might as well teach them correctly. All sides of the counsel of God. Teach it all. Don't just teach on prosperity. Right? Teach on affliction too. A lot of people want to hear prosperity. They don't want to hear affliction. Right? I'm serious. A lot of people, they don't want, want me to speak in their church because they know. You're, gonna, you're not going to talk prosperity. He's going he gonna to talk about suffering. We don't believe in suffering. We don't believe in suffering. <laughs> whoa, whoa. First Thessalonians. Let's go there. This is a, oh my goodness gracious, chapter 3. This is so good. In First Thessalonians, um, Paul, <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, Paul and Barnabas, they're so nice. Um, it gives us some example of what, what happened to them. We're in chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, but the backdrop of this now, uh, uh, Paul and um, and Barnabas, they 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 are out doing their thing, you know. And 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 so here's 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 a word to the church at Thessalonica. Let's listen to what he's telling telling them. Therefore, when we could endure no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens, Athens alone. We thought it best to be left behind in Athens alone. And to send Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. And who is that? Is that the word of God or not? Okay. All thing I'm doing is just reading the word of God on these things because I say that we need to be steadfast in the midst of things. People need that. And it said that, for indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith. You see? He wanted to find out about their faith. He knew about his faith. I, I, I know what I got to go through. I know these things. You know, it's not going to shake me. Whether I'm, I'm a base or whether I'm a bound. I know how to, I know how to you know, uh, uh, really, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he says. In another place. So he knows that. But he's trying to help them because they're young Christians. He says, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter, we have a devil, don't we? We have a devil and he wants to try to um, mess with your faith, your trust in God. And he wants to get you sidetracked and about your situation that you're in. Oh, you know, see, he doesn't love you. 
He, Jesus doesn't love you. He loves you. You wouldn't have to go through that. If he loves you, he wouldn't have done that. If he loves you, this wouldn't have happened. He loves you. He'll have you. See, you understand? He'll tell you those things. You can't, be wa- you can't waver. You can't be moved by that stuff because you know that the tempter is doing this stuff. God loves us, but he tells us in advance, and you're teaching your disciples in advance that you're going to have to go through good times, but you're going to also have to go through bad times. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kind of us longing to see just as we also long to see you. We have to go through some things, people. We really do. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. What are you going to teach your disciples? Young women of discipling women, what are you going to teach them? The whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. Stay steadfast. Stay steadfast. Stay steadfast. Verse 22. Now, in this one, uh, <laughs> Paul had been stoned, drug out of the city, went back in the city. Then he left, went to a couple places. Then he said, hey, let's go back to the same places that they stoned me so we can strengthen the disciples there. So I'll pick it up in, in verse uh, 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. That's what, he, what he's doing. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Encouraging them to continue in the faith. What's going to keep them steadfast, continuing in the, state, in, in the faith? The word of God. Word of prophecy. Covenant. They have. And saying, and this is what he's telling, telling them when he's going, going back around, telling them. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Or you can say the kingdom of heaven. Through many tribulations, we must enter. You know, I say that it's very important for us that we be open to being in the Word. Don't get, don't, don't get irresponsible and not be in the Word of God because you're not going to be able to stay steadfast. Don't have village thinking and say, well, this prophecy stuff, I knew a place, I knew... People, they swinging on the chandeliers, they doing all this, and everybody prophesying on everybody, nothing come to pass. I'm not for all this stuff. It's, it is, I told you last week, there is a counterfeit for everything that's real. Okay? If God speaks to Abram, and he gives him a prophetic word, he tells him, and I can show you many places, uh, and you need to be doing that over your children, find out what God is saying, and you need to speak to them. You need to lay hands on speak to them. That's what, that's what, didn't that what, Israel did? Yeah. Jacob, he did that with his sons, didn't he? Yeah, he did that. He spoke to them. Yeah. It's very important for us to speak. And what he spoke came to pass. You need to speak good things over your children. Find out what God says, and you speak good things into them. Speak to them. See what God is saying about it, and then speak it into their life. Keep reminding them of God has called you to do this. God has done this. That's, oh, that's so awesome. Man, we need to do that with our wives. Okay? Encourage them that way. Find out what God is saying. Speak to them. Speak to them in that. Okay? That's what we want to be able to, to the prophetic word or the word of prophecy. Now, we know we're going to do everything in decency and in order in this place, don't we? We're not going to have people coming in, hey, uh, Come on, come 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 in. Come over here in this corner. Let me let me I got a word for you. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Okay, we we, we have a prophetic team here. Uh, we're trying to increase the the knowledge uh, of the team uh, and involve more people in the team because some people 
as I told you last week, some people have a gift of prophecy, don't, don't they? Yeah. And also there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in prophecy, isn't it? So we don't want to, we don't want to not, we don't want to have this village thinking that, huh, it doesn't exist today. It can help keep us steadfast. And also we know that we have a covenant because I already told you what he said. If you Abraham see, if you, if you be Christ, you Abraham sees an heir to the promise. So we do have a covenant, don't we? Jesus Christ, and this is what we're going to celebrate next week, is the covenant that we do have that's in his blood, isn't it? We have communion next Sunday. Come prepared. Let's stand. I hope this was not a discouraging word for you. I hope it was not a Word, oh man, I, I came be built up, man. He just, he just, my goodness gracious, I'm going away, my head down, because he said, I got to suffer. <laughs> come on, you're suffering anyway. <laughs> really? You know, come on. I'm just trying to help you be steadfast in it. Okay. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. And Lord, uh, your word is for us today. And we want to be good stewards of that word, Lord. We want to be responsible to walk in those things. We want to make sure that we are responsible to get in your word. We want to be responsible to be open to the spirit of God speaking to us through the word, through someone else. And we know if it speaks to someone else, we know that we see in part, we hear in part. We know that we are not uh, we're not in the old days of the of prophet or prophetic words, but we are pressing towards that prize of the high calling. We want to be, Lord, and we know that you want us trained, and you are training us to reign with you. So we thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you for the covenant that we have with you. Ratified through the blood of Jesus, we thank you, Father. So we're going to go out of this place steadfast, immovable, not wavering, what, regardless of what the enemy is doing and what he tries to do. We're going to resist him because as the word says so, resist the devil and he will flee. But first we're going to submit ourselves to you. We're going to submit ourselves to you, Lord. And we know that all things work together for good for those who Love you and call according to your purpose, Lord. And we thank you for it. Would the prayer team come up? If you have a prayer request, if you want to be prayed for, uh, if you want somebody to pray over you, we have uh, some people that's over there. They, they'll pray over you and and uh, Elder Sam, he's one of the elders, and um, they're not pulling you off in the corner. It's, it's, it is, if they pray over you, if they speak something over you, they're going to record it. And um, if it witness with you, fine. If it doesn't, fine. They're just trying to be obedient with God to, to walk in faith. It takes faith to do everything in the kingdom. We thank you, Lord.